0: Once again, my name is Brett. I'm the Director of Youth and Young Adults here at TFRC. And I do hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, as a kid, I always had loved the experience of ripping through my toys, uh, ripping through my presents to see what, li- lied, what laid, lied, laid beneath it. And, uh, you know, there's this anticipation. There's this uncertainty that comes with that, Christmas part, of, with that part of the Christmas season. Uh, but is there really that much uncertainty with that part. Uh, Anyone here ever been guilty of trying to figure out what your presents were before Christmas came around? Uh, I think most of us, you guys are lying if you didn't raise your hands, but um, so when I was a little kid, uh, we used to, when my mom would maybe leave on an errand to go grocery shopping or, or head to the store, I had a sister who shall remain nameless, and she would ask me this uh, terrible little question. So Brett, do you want to know what you're getting for Christmas this year? And of course I responded like any other child would do. I told her I didn't think it was very honoring to our parents. And I don't really want to, to go down that road of sin No, I'm just kidding. Of course, I gave into it. And uh, we ransacked the house like the world's greatest detectives. We looked through every nook and cranny to see if we could find where the presents were hiding. In fact, uh, Mom, you might already know this, but uh, the closet underneath all the clothes, yeah, we knew that spot. Uh, We had the the little cupboard above the basement door, knew that spot as well, among other different spots. But see, what would happen is there would be desperation that would sink in if we couldn't find them. So once all the presents were under the tree, what do we do? You know, we shake it, we uh, examine the shape. And then if we get really desperate, wanting to know what the presents were, maybe we unfold a little bit of the wrapping paper and take a peek on what's inside. Now I wanna take a quick survey of the crowd. So even the people that were lying, you can be honest in this one. What's your mode of finding out what your presents are? Is it from unfolding the wrapping paper? Raise your hand if you're an unfold a little bit of the wrapping paper person. There we go, I'd like to see it. Uh, What if you're the scientist examining presents? What if you're, are you the the shaker of the gift, the touching around the present? Perfect, that's good. And then uh, what about trying to find where they're hidden? Who here has ever found the stash and, and tries to see it beforehand? Yeah, and we're all so good at lying about it, right? We're all so surprised on Christmas morning. But uh, well, there's one last question. Who here has too much at stake to answer that question? Kids? <laughs> yeah? Okay. Um, <laughs> so as we go into this Christmas season, there's, there's a ton of uncertainty around the Christmas story. When you think about it, Uh, You've got Mary dealing with this pregnancy, having a baby in a stable. She doesn't know what's going to happen. You have the shepherds getting interrupted in the middle of the night and feeling like they need to go to Bethlehem. They don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, You've got King Herod who hears about this baby Jesus and he feels uncertain about what his future is. You've got the wise men not knowing what's going to happen if they don't go back the way that Herod uh, had told them to go. The Christmas story is one of uncertainty. And as we grow older and we experience uncertainty, uh, it gets a little more intense than what we're going to get on Christmas morning, doesn't it? Now sometimes it's lighthearted and it's exciting, but there's other times where it's full of anxiety, worry, fear. We might have to sit in the tension of not knowing what's next in our lives. It could be where we're going to go to school, what career we pursue, our job security, or maybe even the health of our family. Like the characters of the Christmas story, we all face uncertainty in life. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring or the troubles it could have, and it elicits a variety of feelings in us. Today we're going to be looking A psalm that should provide us comfort in the midst of the uncertainty that we face in life. This psalm is going to help us learn about the role that God plays in our uncertainty and what our response should be to him. Our passage today comes from Psalm chapter 121, verses 1 through 8. And our scripture reader today is Ryan Fenderson. So Ryan, would you go ahead and walk towards the center? Wonderful. Uh... Here at TFRC we believe in the authority of scripture and because of that, uh, we are gonna have everyone stand up and face the center of the room as a reminder of how important it is in our lives. And then Ryan, whenever you're ready, uh, feel free to get started. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. This song of ascent applies to us as we face uncertainty, as we experience the difficulties and we attempt to reach the goals of who we want to be or what we want to do, we're going to face many mountains, many mountains of uncertainty. But the psalm tells us that we're not in it alone. We're going to be exploring how we should respond to these moments in life and Look at the two major roles that God plays in the midst of it. Verse 1 in our passage says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? When we lift our eyes to the mountains, we see uncertainty, an uncertainty that just stands before us and can be a bit intimidating. Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's scary. For the psalmist, the mountains can be interpreted as both positive and negative. Mountains were known for their dangerous paths. There would be robbers or different gangs hiding along the trail that could potentially cause harm to you. The mountains were also considered high places where false gods would be worshipped. But on the flip side, mountains were also where the Israelites would meet with God. In fact, it's also where the temple was built, on the mountains of Zion in Jerusalem. Now the Hebrew, uh, both Hebrew and Akkadian, the action of lifting one's eyes is looking at something with a longing or desire. This means that when uh, the psalmist is looking up to the mountains, There is an element of of anxiousness, of not knowing what's happening, but there's also this longing or desire to get to where he's going. There's also a lot of anxiety and uncertainty in that process. Along the way, as he goes towards whatever it is that he is longing for, there's going to be struggle. When we lift our eyes up to the mountains, it's no different. It's a mixed bag. There's there's some anxiousness, there's some worry, but there should also be something that gets us excited, an expectation of what's to come. We could be lifting our eyes because we desire God, or maybe it's because we desire that next big promotion at work, and so we climb this mountain. There's usually something that we desire at the top. In the psalmist's case, he's most likely looking up to the hills of Jerusalem, traveling towards the city on a pilgrimage. His strong desire comes from having an opportunity to meet with God in the temple. Yet once again, he understands their struggle in the journey. This psalm, as as I briefly mentioned, is referred to as a psalm of ascent, The Hebrew word or origin for ascent is aliyah. For the Israelites, aliyah was more than a literal ascension. It represented ascending to meet with God. There was an anticipation, an excitement as as they approached the top of the mountain. There was this expectation to meet with the living God. But along with that excitement, as I said earlier, Came the expectation of struggle. It wasn't going to be easy, but it was going to be worth it. With these unexpected struggles, there becomes a need for the role that God plays in our lives in uncertainty. He plays the role of helper. And this is where we're taken next. The psalmist says, Where will my help come from? This is an important question to ask ourselves. Where do we go to for help when everything in life seems out of control? Does it come from our intelligence? Does it come from our experience, our talent? Is it science? Is it our friends, our family? Where do we go to for help? In general, when faced with uncertainty, we have a tendency to believe in what is certain. In uncertainty, we cling to what we know to be true. We cling to what we trust. What is it that you find yourself putting your trust in while facing life's difficulties and unknowns? Verses 2-4 through tells us who we should trust for help and the nature of this help. It says, My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you, you will not, over you will not slumber. He, he watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse two says that our help should come from the Lord. There's a confidence that we should have knowing that the God of the universe is the one that we can go to for help. Those who know me really well know that I'm not a very confident person. Maybe those of you that don't, that surprises you. I'm, I'm, I'm really insecure about a lot of things and I often struggle with my, dec- my decisions. I, I wrestle with if I made the right one or I question my ability to do certain things. I'm an Enneagram 6, if you know anything about that, which means I am full of anxiety and I long for safety and control. Uh, Something that I find confidence in when I dwell in the uncertain, in the unknown, is that I have the God by my side who is certain of all creation. He knows everything. He created it. I don't have to be scared because in my corner, I've got the one in charge of everything right with me. In our uncertainty, we have the opportunity to seek help from God. The psalmist's confession of who God is exudes confidence in who his source of help is. As we navigate the unpredictable in life, do we have that same level of confidence when it comes to where we look for help? Help. The places where you look for help. Do you have so much confidence that without a shadow of a doubt you know that it's going to have your back? That's what God is in our lives as our helper. There might be times we find ourselves in the unknown wondering where God's help is. And in those moments, maybe it's important for us to ask the question, have we been using it? Have we been uh, actually taking the help of God? There's a reciprocity to to help. It involves someone being helped, right? It involves someone helping us. We have to make sure we're doing our part. We have to make sure that we are accepting the help of God. After proclaiming where our help should come from, there are two metaphors presented uh, to show the nature of how God helps us. The first talks about how God doesn't let our feet slip. When we allow our help to come from the one who created everything, he's going to keep our feet from slipping by giving us firm ground to stand on. Psalm 37 verses 23 and 24 affirms this by saying, "The Lord makes firm the steps of those who delight in Him. Though that He may stumble, He will not fall. for the Lord upholds them with His hand." When we allow for help and uncertainty to come from the things of the world, the things that, that maybe aren't of God, we can find ourselves walking on the unstable ground of insecurities. Opinions, fears, desires. But when our help comes from the Lord, when it comes from God, he provides this firm foundation to walk upon as we trek up these mountains. Instead of walking on those things of the world, we find ourselves walking on truth, grace, love, courage, faith we find ourselves walking on the firm foundation of the gospel. The firm ground that he helps us with keeps us from falling, even though sometimes we might stumble. There's no guarantee that we don't stumble, but we won't fall down the mountain. Besides keeping our foot from slipping, the other image of God's help is that of one who never sleeps nor slumbers. We usually associate the two words, sleep and slumber, as the same thing, but the context of the passage refers more to a drowsiness and a sleep. As a little boy, there was a scenario that uh, would occasionally happen in the middle of the night. While lying in bed, I would whisper from underneath the safety of my covers, dad, dad, and Uh, He wouldn't hear me because he's sleeping. And so eventually it would move into this, Dad! Dad! Still, no response, or he just didn't care that much, one of the two. Eventually, Dad! Dad! And you'd hear, you know, stumbling in through this slumbery uh, stupor, What's wrong? The million-dollar question. To which I would respond, I had a bad dream. (laughs) And there's not much you can do in that situation as a parent. uh, Your kid has a bad dream, but you can be there for him. And that's what he did. So he he came and he sat in bed and he waited till I fell asleep and I think he prayed for me. And as as good of a, a father as he was, there's a reality to that situation. Because my dad was sleeping, He could not be there for me in my uncertainty right away. When I was most scared, he couldn't be there. And when he was there, because of how tired he was, there was limited possibilities for what he could do to help me. But that's not how our God works. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always there. To say that God never slumbers or sleeps is saying that he never takes a break. He's always fighting for us. He's always with us. He's always engaged in our lives. Whether what we have going on is little or incredibly incredibly significant. It could be having a bad dream that he's with us. Or maybe it's walking through a battle of cancer or trying to find what the next job is. He's always with us, helping us. For this time, this was a radical statement about God. Because in the Near Eastern traditions, it was very common for for the gods of that area to sleep. It It was a normal thing. Just like humans would sleep, so too would the gods. This is a bold statement because it subverts the expectations of who God was. And it sets him apart from every other one. It makes a statement That Israel's God, our God, never stops looking after his people. And it's setting the foundation for Emmanuel, God with us. It's important for us to remember that in the midst of our uncertainties and the struggles that they present, that God never takes a break on us. He's always with us. As we move into this second half of the the passage today, uh, we're presented with another important role that God plays in our lives. Uh, Verse 5-8 through says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. As we read these last four verses, you'll see that there's a reoccurring concept. In in verse 5, it says that the Lord watches over you. Verse 7 says the Lord will keep you. And verse 8 says that the Lord will watch over your coming and going. The Hebrew word for watches is shamar. And this means to guard or protect. It's also the same translation as to keep. That's in that passage as well. In this psalm, we see that word six times. Six times that word shamar is in our passage. And four of them come in that last half. This repetition means something. It's emphasizing how important this trait is to who God is in our lives. In our uncertainty, God has the role of protector. Verse 5 talks about God's protection being the shade of our right hand. Now, this references how soldiers would carry their shield. They would normally carry their shield on their, their left arm. And because they did that, that left their right side vulnerable. Because of this uh, exposure, it was valued to have a companion, an ally. your right side to protect your weaknesses ready to fend off potential threats this is the role that God plays in our protection he's always at our right hand the areas that we can't be covered he's got us he's going to make sure that he takes away the things that are attacking us and protects us when they come at us he's our friend and ally as we deal with With all the different circumstances we find ourselves in, He protects the areas of our lives that are vulnerable, and He strengthens our weaknesses. Verse six elaborates on this concept, uh, only it talks about God's shade protecting us when the sun will not harm us by moon or by night. This verse is speaking towards the never ceasing nature of God's protection. There's there's an emphasis of that in this passage. He's never stopping in doing what he does for us. It doesn't matter if it's day or night, we are always under his protection. Part of God's role as protector is one of preservation. Verses 7 and 8 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. These last two verses show that his protection is meant to allow for us to endure whatever it is he has in front of us. But in light of other scriptures, it's also important to keep in mind that this doesn't mean we're going to have a cushioned life. Some of this Uh, preservation comes from him equipping us to handle whatever it is life comes our way. One of the ways that he does this in the most tangible way possible is through his word. The Bible gives us what we need to combat the things that are thrown at us in life. In our uncertainty, when we go to the word and rely on it, we can get the tools needed to get through anything. God's help and protection should provide comfort and hope as we face the uncertainty in our lives. Earlier I mentioned that the Israelites associated mountaintops with meeting with God. The beauty of the gospel, of Jesus coming to earth and fulfilling what it is God had promised, is that we now have that Emmanuel, God with us. That means that we don't just meet him on the mountaintop. We have him with us always in our hearts. As we lean into and embrace God's help uh, and his protection in our uncertainty, we should find comfort and relief from maybe a few of those worries and anxieties that can bog us down as we Look at this intimidating mountain ahead of us that we don't know anything about. So, when we stand at the foot of the mountains of uncertainty, we should lift our eyes to them and, with confidence, know that we are not alone on our journey. As we aliyah, as we ascend, We should be relying on God's help and protection. And we should also be anticipating and experiencing God with us in those moments. Where do you allow your help to come from? Especially when you face struggles and uncertainty. What areas of uncertainty in your life do you need to lean on for God's help and protection? when facing the unknowns of life, when facing uncertainty. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be great if when we got there, we said, bring on the mountains. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your comfort and your care, for your your protection and your help along the way. God, as we go through different types of struggles in life, the the anxieties or worries that they can bring can overwhelm us, they can uh, be too much, but Lord, help us uh, remember the hope that you give us because of Jesus. Help us lean on you for protection and for help. We ask that if there's anyone here this morning who really needs that reminder that you speak to them. Speak to their hearts, and God, allow for us to, as we enter this new year, uh, embrace who it is you are as helper and protector in our uncertainty. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with this blessing from our passage today. May the Lord bless you and keep you from all harm. May he watch over you all your life. May you watch over your comings and your goings, both now and forevermore. Amen.